but um, here we go. It's Acts 2, verse 42. The context of family. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who are being saved. I'll just put the mic down a minute. No new thing, is it? We've seen it time and time again. Kids, time after time, have cut it out. But right through the acts, they were together. I don't know what program it was on television, but I, forever it rings through my mind. We want to be together. I don't know where it came from, but it's saying we want to be together. You can tell me afterwards if you uh, if you know where that came from. But the idea of family is so important. In the 1970s. There was a growing sense that something very basic and fundamental was missing from church life in many congregations. The missing ingredient, when recovered, would be a lifesaver for many churches and would in many cases transform the demographic from form to family. Quite an important transformation, that. And um, I think... We as a church in, in C Street many years ago and the meeting up with Beacon when it started was a little bit like that, went from form to family. Yeah, we, I mean, Derek and April and Margaret and I and Paul and Kay and others, we, uh, we sort of knew those family values, but I think there was a sense of wanting more. But you know, the, the, uh, the songwriters, something was being birthed in the songwriters and some, a couple of songs that, um, you know, have now become cringeworthy, sort of express that feeling. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together, Lord, with chords that cannot be broken. And then there's another one. Let there be love shared amongst us. Let there be love shared amongst us. The whole concept of church being family and not form is so important. It's so important. The Queen, in her speech to the Scottish Parliament, I think it was yesterday or the day before, said this, It is the people that make a place. It is the people that make a place. Yeah, I've been in lots of people's houses over the years. And you can tell the difference between it being a home or a house. You sense this family lives in this house, or you sense it's just a house. Family is so important, it is. So it's the people that make a place. 
And uh, I'm, just, I'm just looking out here, my brothers and sisters, you know, and it's us that make Vibe, really. It's us that make Beacon. We're a Beacon community. And um, we, we trust and we just want, so want people to be drawn into that. A guy called Francis Schaeffer, who was a, an American evangelical, said this, Our relationships with each other are the criteria that the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful or not. Read that again. Our relationships with each other are the criteria that the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. I think, as Beacon, we, we do a good job of being family. Excellent. And so, what's my point in talking about family this morning? I think it's this. We need to protect family. We need to protect family and not drift off in the other way. I think we're family, but I think every church needs to work hard at protecting family. It takes community to bring people alive. I think during the pandemic we've seen that, haven't we? I mean, many, many instances where people have got together, even sitting two metres apart out on, the, out on the cold drinking coffee, people became alive because community was happening. And that's so good. Last week I was preaching on family, so I'm very careful not to repeat what I said. Margaret said to me, yes, she said, you could preach the same message. I said, I don't think I'd get away with that. But there's some nuances in that story last week where you know Jesus was, had the crowd around him and Jesus' mother and brothers were outside wanting to speak to him. And someone went from them to, the, to Jesus and said, your family are outside. I've thought hard, you know, a lot about this, you know, some people say, oh, Jesus was being a bit cruel, you know, saying, sort of ignoring his mother and brothers. But in a sense, he was protecting family. Because when he saw the people around him and those who were gathered and eager to be there to, to hear and to listen, he was protecting family. In a sense, he was there regathering the Jewish people together, getting them back into family. And we know as time went on, and the apostles and the disciples took the message on, it was about creating family, which we read about this morning. In 1 Corinthians 13, we read this, love protects. And love is a very key ingredient in church life, isn't it? And it's love helps protect. I'm just going to finish with this verse from 1 Timothy 5, verses 1 to 5. Paul speaking to Timothy as an up-and-coming leader in the church. And he said, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers. Older women as mothers, widows 
But if a widow has the children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. And in this context, you know, of protecting family, he was saying, let there be a culture of honor, like there is or there should be in a family. So when Jesus was talking to those proud, he says, here are my mother. He didn't say, here, here, here are my mother. He was beginning to raise a culture of honor. No one, as much as Jesus, raised the culture of honor for ladies and for women like Jesus did. So family is about protecting family and raising a culture of honor for each other's. Amen. That was brilliant. Um, brilliant to hear from David, wasn't it? Really encouraging and gave us that really good foundation. Um, I'm going to uh, talk now through a little bit about growth, um, and I'll keep speaking quickly because there's so much that I could say. Um, but I want to start off with a story. So I want you just to imagine something for a moment. And it's a story about a man called John Muir. Okay, he was in the uh, late 19th century, he was um, a kind of explorer in the north of America, um, a great Christian man, but somebody who really liked trekking around um, the extremities of North America. He loved Jesus, but he wanted to experience the wonders of glaciers, mountains, and deserts. And in 1874, he visited a friend who had a cabin in the Sierra Mountains a place he could trek into the wilderness and come back to a warm fire and a cup of tea. Now, one day, a storm came in from the Pacific, and I wonder what you would imagine John Muir should have done. He should have gone into the cabin, shouldn't he? But he didn't, because he wanted to experience the wonder of what was going on. So he went up to a high ridge, and he climbed up one of those huge fir trees. Do you know the ones I mean? The really big fir trees. And held on to it. And as the storm whipped, and the, the wind, and the snow, and the, the rain, it whipped around. He was there experiencing the storm. He was lashed around by the wind. And he rode out the storm. Amazing story, isn't it? Can you imagine the discussion when he came back to his friend's cabin? had been sitting there in the warm and thinking, what on earth were you doing? And sometimes, I don't know about you, but I think a little bit of church like that, that sometimes church is fantastic because it's that warm cup of tea, isn't it? It's where we can go and we can spend time with friends and family. It supports us when we have difficult times. It gives us encouragement and friendship that we love so much. But actually, if I'm talking about growth... Sometimes it's us stepping out of our comfort zone. Sometimes it's us risking things. It's doing something that may feel uncomfortable. It's maybe even doing something that we might feel 
disappointing about. Because when we do something for the first time, we're thinking, is this the right thing to do? Is it going to work? And I just get a sense this morning that God is encouraging us just to step out of our comfort zones. Yes, church will always be the place of comfort, of support, of love for one another. But there's also that sense of the wilderness. There's that sense of moving forward in him. There's that sense of risk that God's taking us in. So maybe it's half cabin and half storm, our church and my vision for, for growth. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to think about growth in three different ways. Uh, first of all, I pray for new growth, growth in depth. And what I mean by depth um, is uh, from the church website, it says this, growth is meant to be depth as well as numbers. So when we're looking at growth for our church, we're not just looking at more people, we're looking at growth internally for us and as a community, that we become more and more like Jesus. Um, as the Bible says, so I haven't got the quote for this, somebody will find it for me. It says this, and it is my prayer that your love, it's in Philippians, isn't it, may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. And that's my prayer for us as Beacon, that we grow, if you like, inside, that we become more and more like him together in terms of being pure and blameless, but also in knowledge of Jesus. I've got a challenging quote from A.W. Tozer. Are you ready for this? This is a good one. He said this, and remember he was writing uh, in the early 20th century, he said this, how tragic that we in this dark day have had our seeking done for us by teachers. In other words, how tragic it is that we don't seek God for ourselves. We expect somebody else to do it and provide it for us on a plate. And my prayer is that we would be people that for ourselves seek God and move forward in him. That as we come to church on a Sunday, we have things to give because we have that relationship with him from reading our Bible and from praying. And that we get to know Jesus better by better and better, week by week, month by month, year by year. You know and I know that some churches have been hugely shaken over the last 18 months. And one of the differences has to be the depth of relationship that the whole congregation has with Jesus on a one-to-one -one and together. And you know, one of the, the changes that we've had over the last few weeks has been the changes to growth groups, hasn't it? So it's been all strange for all of us because it's, it's suddenly different. It's not what we're used to doing. And for some of us, we find that really hard. But I think in terms of what's God doing with us and what he will do in the future, we've got to be people who are ready to embrace change and where we're going. So that's the first thing. I pray for growth, uh, for growth in a new depth in us all. Number two, I pay for growth in number. And uh, I was going to quote a verse uh, that David has just read. Absolutely fantastic. But I'm just going to quote right from the end of that Acts 2 verse um, uh, 42. He, he went on to verse 47. And verse 47 says this, praising God and having favor with all people. Interesting. 
The church there was having favor with all people. What were they doing to have favor with all people? And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So my heart for the church is that we have an increase in influence in the local community. And we know we've got those fantastic projects that we've already developed. But that we have that influence in the community. Because as we grow, we have a greater pool to work from. And my heart is in terms of growth, that we see growth because of salvation. Sorry, that's getting on to Steve's part. But we also see growth in terms of people coming in, who are those people who are rich in God's mercy and ready to work with us in terms of the church, those who are experienced Christians. And through that, we'll see new, new opportunities in terms of our community. Okay, number three, and I've got to say this one really carefully, so if I read my notes, you'll forgive me. And I pray for a new season in a new home. And what I mean by a new home is just looking around at Vibe and looking at where we go next. You see, when we're at Briary, we had basically two spaces, didn't we? We had the main hall and another hall for the kids. And we knew we needed to grow because sometimes the... Um, uh, the, the really little ones, the creche, was just in a corridor, wasn't it? And we didn't think that was honouring. And we had a small room. Here we've got a much bigger room, haven't we? But still, essentially, we have these two rooms and then, obviously, Captain Jack's downstairs. But looking at that, that is God's provision for now because we couldn't fit into Briary, could we? We really couldn't. It's God's provision for now. But if we're looking for growth, then God's provision... It's looking at where we are. It's a place where we have four or five spaces so that we can honour the kids and the youth as they come in. It's a place, dare I say it, that is light and where I don't have to look at Marilyn Monroe. Great though it is. Jesus is the light of the world. and We want people to be able to come in, don't we? And to sense that, and I know people come in here and they sense that, the warmth of our heart. They sense the welcome. But it's that sense of the light that we want. Now, I'm not saying there's a dramatic change that next week will suddenly be somewhere else. But I sense that as we grow, we will grow into a new building. Is that clear? Have I said that in the right way? Great. Thank you. Um, I thought David gave some fantastic quotes and I'm just going to finish with one from a, a fantastic old pastor, Robert Murray McShane. Some of you will know him well. He says this, Dear Flock, this was his New Year message, Dear Flock, the approach of another year stirs up within me new desires for salvation. And it does, doesn't it? New desires for seeing people come to know Jesus. And for the growth of those who are saved. God is my record how I long after all of you and the bowels of Jesus Christ. I assume that means being close to Jesus. I'm not going to go into it very much, but obviously that was a, a very dramatic thing that he was saying at the time. What the coming year is to bring forth, who can tell? I wonder if before Steve comes, we just pray. Lord Jesus, we love being family. We love being together. Our heart is to grow in you. Lord Jesus, 
And we just pray, Lord Jesus, now that you would grow us as people, as a community. To have the influence in Herne Bay and beyond that you want us to have. We ask you to break through, Lord, particularly in this next year, Lord God, that you would break through in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Okay. Steve, over to you. Thank you, Bob. Well, as much as what David was sharing set the scene perfectly for what Bob got to share, what Bob then got to share on top of that, together they helped set the scene perfectly for what I want to share now, because I'm going to be talking about invitation. We've been talking about family, to be a family of Jesus followers reaching across Herne Bay and further. We'll talk about the word further in a minute. Growth, encouraging each other to grow, and then invitation. That's what I'm going to be speaking on now for the next 10 minutes or so, inviting others to join the adventure. Why do we use the word invitation? It's an important word. It's a significant word. Why do we use that word? It's because God himself is invitational. It's in his heart. It's in his manner. The Bible's littered with it. Even just in the New Testament, the Gospels, you hear Jesus saying, follow me. Come to me and drink. Yeah, come and see. Come and see for yourself is what he says um, when the disciples are like, where are you living? He says, come and see for yourself. Step into my world. Come and see. He's invitational. Matthew 11, come to me and I'll give you rest. All the time he's like, come on in. Come on in. And he's just echoing this divine, eternal heart of God that has never changed and will never change. He's just living out what he and Father and Holy Spirit have been and always will be. So you see it in the Old Testament as well. You taste and see that the Lord is good. It's invitational. Come and find out for yourself. Yeah, and then New Testament again, draw near. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And then Isaiah 55, one more example, it's everywhere, but one more example, Isaiah 55, through the prophet, God is saying, incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. All the way through, God is an invitational God. And that's why we use this invitation here, because as his people who have come to accept that invite that he's offered us, we're now his people, we now get the privilege of shouting it aloud for others to, to, to come and find out for themselves. Come and see. The beginning of John chapter 1, Jesus says to the disciples, come and see. What do they start saying next, a few verses later? To the others, come and see. They, they start passing it on. They pick up, pass on the invite. We are, we are to be invitational because he is invitational. As we become more and more like Jesus, we should become more and more invitational. But then why do we use the word adventure? That's a big, bold word, isn't it? Well, we use, again, we're using that word on purpose because in Christ is where we find life abundant. In Christ is where we find life to the full. That doesn't mean an easier life or a more comfortable life, as we were hearing about, but it is life to the full. Often it can be a harder life as a result of following Christ, many times. But in him, in Jesus, is where we discover a pilgrimage, if you like, that's what our life becomes, and one that brings us life with a capital L now and life everlasting to come. See, it's not about, in our life suddenly, it's about how much we have, 
but it is about how much we have of him. That's what it means to have life to the full in Jesus. And that, you suddenly discover, and as many of you know, I know will put your hands up, that is an adventure worth stepping into, and it's one worth shouting about. We don't want other people to miss out on this, do we? Who wants people to miss out on what we have in Christ? We've discovered this treasure, and we want to shout it out and share it, don't we? This has always been a core um, theme of God's intent for, for humanity, even right from the very beginning, that we should grow and prosper. This is heart for his family, and it's now his absolute intent for us, his church, his redeemed, repurposed people, to again, to grow and to multiply, to grow and to prosper. You look at the first two chapters of the Bible, where you see God, he shines his light into the darkness, he brings order out of chaos, he breathes life into his new human family, and he says, go forth and multiply. It's the creation story. And then we see Jesus, once we've broken that, we've made a mess of it, we then see Jesus shining his light into our darkness, and as he steps out the grave, he enables order out of chaos again. He breathes life into his new family, and he says to us, go forth and multiply. Go and make disciples. It's the same. It's his heart all over again. Go and make disciples, Matthew 28. And the implication there is go and make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. It's always been his intent for us to grow and to multiply, as Bob's been leaning into just now. So how do we do that? Just for a few more minutes, I just want to talk about two things very briefly. As much as can be said on this subject as well, about invitation, but how, how do we invite people? Well, two Ps for now, preaching and planting. Let's just look at that just briefly. The point of preaching, and I'm not talking about like what I'm doing here, but in terms of shouting out the wonders of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. Romans chapter 10, Paul writes to the church in Rome, and he says, how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard. We were talking last week, last Sunday, weren't we, about there are many people in this country who don't, they haven't heard of him. They might have heard the name bandied about, they don't know what it means. They haven't heard of him. How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? That's talking about us. That's why, for example, in our relational mission, family churches we're a part of, we have a value called everyone a witness. Everyone a witness. The point is, we're not all called to be evangelists. That's for a few to equip us to be better witnesses, but we are all called to evangelize. We are all called to be invitational and to invite people, come and see. Come and meet him for yourself. It's a cultural goal. It's about preaching, speaking out the good news with, with words, but also with works, ministering to others, serving and loving other people, backing it up with works, and also with wonders. Holy Spirit working through us working wonders that back up the gospel we've spoken or sets the scene for us to be able to do so. That's what wonders are about. It's about being invitational. For example, my small group I'm leading at the moment, we're learning tools and, and different ways of, of looking at our lives and how we can be more invitational, how we can be better witnesses. We're, uh, we're learning how to do that. There's some folk here that people are learning how to grow in everyday lives Living out for Jesus out loud, how to do that. And it won't, be the, it won't be the last time I lead the group. There'll be opportunity in the future. I'll do it again if you, if you want to join in. It's something we can all do, but we can all be a bit scared or frightened of or feel just, just lack of confidence in how to do that. It's something we can all learn, and it's, it's, it's accessible for all of us to step into and to grow into, being invitational in different ways. It's something we can all do. It's something the Bible says we all should do. 
Well, this helps break it down. This is one way, for example, of helping to break it down into realizing, I can do that. And that is something, all of this, being invitational, everyone who witnesses, is something I'm going to keep on banging on about. You've probably noticed I already do. In my sermons, in my prayers, in my conversations, because I've just got such a passion for it. And there will be more opportunities in the future to take a deeper look at it and to grow in that. How can we grow in each of us, in our own ways and in our own parts of the world, preaching out about Jesus, sharing the good news. That's preaching. But the one I want to finish on is planting. Starting new churches. Church planting is starting baby churches. It has repeatedly proven to be the most fruitful and effective means of spreading the gospel. This is about bringing lost people home and starting new churches reaches unreached people in whole new ways that established churches don't have opportunity to. It changes the the dynamic in a certain area. It reaches the unreached in new ways and it also strengthens the churches that send. And um, we've always wanted to be a part of that. But we've always had a bit of the feeling it's like we're only beacon, we're only small. That's for the big churches to do, isn't it? Sometimes we can have that niggling at the back of our mind. We haven't got enough people. But we're like, no, no, no. If we're a part of his church, we are, we are an expression of his local church, then we are called to be planting churches as well, starting new ones, in however that might look. So at the very least, can we partner in it? That's what we were asking, weren't we? Do you remember? And then what happened during lockdown of all times? We got to partner in church planting. We got to send the Mills. It was a bittersweet joy, but we got to send the wonderful Mills family who were doing really, really well in Broadstairs, now part of the Broadstairs church plant. During lockdown, they went last Christmas, didn't they, in the new year, and they're doing really well, and they're gathering of people who are becoming a family that are on mission on that estate and in that town, and they've got great things ahead of them. They're doing really well. I meet up with them regularly. They're doing well. We will get them back to come and tell some more of their story. We will do that. We got a chance to partner in church planting. It was brilliant. Something to celebrate and enjoy. But we knew that wasn't it. We knew that wasn't it. We, we knew for years, if you recall, even at Brari we were doing it, we'd been praying for a baby. Do you remember? We were asking God just for a name, a baby to be conceived that will grow in the belly, get to a point where it's a bit big and uncomfortable and needs to be born, but within our church, something to be, something to, to be conceived to eventually to be birthed. And we just felt, we sensed Broadstairs wasn't that. Broadstairs was an opportunity to dip our toe in the water, if you like, but that's not us planting. So we've been praying not satisfied that Broadstairs was it. Couldn't think, oh, we ticked that box. We knew there was more to come. So we've been dreaming, we've been talking, we've been praying. And I've been spending a lot of time just over the years just asking God, what have you got in store for us in terms of church planting? What have you got in store for us? And one place keeps coming back to mind over the years, over many years now. And that's Birchington-on-Sea. It's halfway between here and Margate. And every time I've been asking God, what next for us in terms of planting? Birchington, Birchington, Birchington keeps coming up. Now, I was talking to Craig Prentice, who leads our community churches in Thanet, of which Broadstairs is one, talking to him a couple of years ago when the whole idea of maybe the mills are sensing a corner to Broadstairs to be a part of what Craig and the gang were about to start. Um, I was talking to him about the mills, and I said, do you know what? For years now, I've been thinking one day you and me, we're going to be part of helping uh, coordinate... Um, to partner together our churches to plant into Birchington. I keep thinking that. And he went, funny you should say that. I thought the same. So suddenly there was a sense of faith. Like, Is this something to lean into? So we're talking about it a lot more. Talking about it with Martin Segal, who looks after our kind of local cluster of churches, looks after us as a church, 
who's at um, Canterbury, talking to him. And he sensed a rise of faith for it. And he said, you need to be talking to the church about this. So uh, I mentioned, it to, mentioned this to the elders. And I suggested back in May, June, was it? We went this, we, every now and again during half term, we'll grab a morning together as well as our normal meetings together. And we'll just spend a morning together in prayer. I said, let's do it in Birchington. So we went there, we had a coffee, we had a walk around the town, we had a long prayer time just to get a, get a sense of what God's saying. And if you don't mind me saying, both of you at the end of it, we got back to the cars, I think Bob said it and then Dave went, yeah, me too. Bob said, when you suggested us coming here for a prayer walk as three elders in Birchington, I thought it was one of Steve's ridiculous ideas, but we just went with it because it would be a nice morning out. But now I'm here, I sense a rise of faith here, I sense there's senses something here. And David said, I had the same. I don't know what we're doing here, but actually now I'm here, feet on the ground, there's something in this. So again, a sense of rise of faith that something's happening. So I've been, I've been going back there for prayer walks just during my weeks now and again, walking around Birchington, getting to know people in the coffee shops. I had a lovely chat with one of the ladies in the coffee shop we got to know there. I've met up with a um, leader of the Baptist Church and his wife, spent a lovely afternoon there with him and Craig Prentice, with Bob Good, Bob and Shirley Good, a lovely couple. Um, they, they were quite excited about the idea and they, gave, they brought me up to speed on the church in general in Birchington, how they operate together and things that have happened, the legacy, the history of the town, what's happening in the town. It's about to grow by 50%, which is quite key, timing-wise. Many, many hundreds of new houses are being built. It's going to grow by 50%. That's the plan at the moment. I'm now in touch with another church leader there just to try and see if I can grab a cup of coffee with him at some point, just to honour the church there. But then at the Plant UK conference in June... Um, I, I joined in that, it was, it was online, and my friend Debbie Challenge, she was part of our church in Lille for a long time, and she's now moved to, come back to England, she's moved to Southampton to get married, she's got married this year, and uh, talking to her at Plant UK, and obviously part of the conversation about church planting, I mentioned Birchington, and she started praying for us and Birchington, and she's got a real sense, she was looking at the map, and she said, this is her words, she said, Birchington is east of the Thames Estuary. Obviously, we are as well, but she said, Birchington is east of the Thames Estuary. She says, I've got a real sense, God's telling you that this is where a river meets the sea. And she says, this church plant will have a big impact on a small place. Birchington is 10,000 people at the moment. It's a quarter of the size of Herne Bay, but about to add possibly 5,000 or more people to the town. But she says, I sense this church plant will have a big impact on a small place. So where we're at now is I'm just sharing this with you for us to pray together. That's all we're asking. We, don't, we have no people. We have no project. We have no place in terms of address, although that might be brewing, maybe. But we do have a prodding. We do have a prodding. We don't want to keep that under the bonnet and keep it behind the scenes. We want to do this together. As a body, what we do have is a town name. We're asking for a name, aren't we? We do have a town name that God seems to be putting weight on. So let's explore it. Not anything to rush. Over the next year or two, let's just find out what God is pushing on. And if it's a definitive no, I'm fine with that because I want to do what he wants. But maybe he adds more weight to it and more weight to it. And some people step forward and go, I'd like to be a part of this. Let's find out. But let's do that together. So what next? I'm suggesting a prayer walk together. On October the 24th, that's three weeks today, at 6pm, I'm going to be in Birchington. And if you want to join me, you're more than welcome. If no one turns up, that's fine. I'm there in Birchington praying for an hour. But if you want to join me, come and join me. I've just got a couple, of, it won't be a lot of walking, there's a couple of locations not far from each other. 
where we're going to talk about the history of the place, the church history and the legacy that was left there. Um, significant um, Spurgeon link to Birchington. That, that's something to pray into. We can talk about that. And then also to pray about the new homes and pray for the churches in that town as well. And while we're there, let's see what God says. So if you want to join me, I'll remind you through the um, updates and through uh, Sundays, but October the 24th, three weeks today, 6pm, just for an hour, I'm going to pray for Birchington, in Birchington. If you want to join me, come along and join the ride. So I want to share that with you. That's it. That's all I'm going to say for now. Um, I just want to encourage you just to keep praying about it. And between us, let's ask Holy Spirit for prophetic words. Let's... Uh, get a sense of peace either way. I'm not sure if God's in this. Or, sounds a bit crazy, but I think God's in this. Let's find out. But we, I want us to do it together. I do not want this to be a Steve thing. I want this to be a Beacon thing. So let's find out together. Amen? Amen. Back to David. Thank you, mate.